Welcome to the Anti-Woke Podcast. When I started this podcast, uh, I made a bunch of really short episodes, and so I don't have any anything to talk about today, but I just figured I'm going to do kind of a greatest hit, so we'll just give you the first uh, five short episodes here. I just listened to uh, Matt Taibbi on the Megan Murphy podcast. Great podcast, by the way. I never listened to Matt Taibbi before, and... I like him. He is very rational and is not going left or right. You know, he's calling balls and strikes as he sees them. And they were talking about what do we, you know, what's going to happen with the media after Trump? Because a lot of the money, like CNN, was making a billion dollars a year under with Trump and uh, Trump in the office, and it's because people wanted to hear criticism of Trump. And you know, you could. You could do it 24 hours a day, you know, it'd be like, if Trump wakes up in the morning and he says good morning to the butler, then the media would be like, did you hear this? The most evil thing in the world has ever happened. He's worse than Hitler. He said good morning to his butler. Didn't really matter. Didn't really matter what was going on, you know. Just got to write an article, you know, like I'm sure the, the editor of the New York Times is like... All right, I need 10 articles criticizing Trump today. And they're like, well, but Trump's only playing golf. He's like, well, you know, make up five of them and make the other five about golf. And workers are like, all right, you pay the bills. But so now, what is the media going to do? And uh, I think it's going to be, you know, it's going to be this white supremacy, white privilege um institutional racism stuff two out of the three of those are conspiracy theories Institu- institutional racism that's a real thing i mean it may not mean what you think you me- think it means but it's a real thing but uh, the way white supremacy is currently used like not card carrying skinhead neo nazis you know that was that was what a white supremacist was now white supremacy is just, I think it just means, it means whatever you want it to mean. You know, you're like, today I need it to mean this. And then tomorrow you're like, well, I don't need it to mean that anymore. It means this other thing. You know, whatever, you know, basically whoever you hate, you say they're part of white supremacy. And if you're doing something, you say, oh, this is combating white supremacy. I'm a good person. They're a bad person. I'm a good person. Similar to white privilege, like Malia Obama has more privilege than... You know, every white person in America outside of, you know, Mark Zuckerberg and a few other billionaires. Like, you know, like, whatever she does is going to be looked upon favorably. Everyone's going to treat her great. You know, if she wants to make money, she can make money. She can do anything she wants. She is just, she's privileged in every possible way that one can be privileged. Plus, she's young. I mean, young and thin. I mean, boy, she really has it all. So that's nothing to do with, privilege has nothing to do with being white or black. But, uh, so I think the media is going to start, you know, making accusations of racism and white supremacy. And then, you know, it is currently acceptable to do that without providing evidence. You just say, you know, like, all Trump supporters are racist. You know, and they, they, you know, what, you know, if someone said all Trump supporters are racist on Twitter, they should get reply, you know, they should get a thousand replies back saying, 
provide the evidence, you know, exactly what percentage. Are you saying 100% are racist, you know, or 99% or, you know, what's your evidence? 0% is it 0 to 0 to 100? Please provide evidence. But anyways, people are like thumbs up, smiley face, right on. So, I think we're just going to continue with these evidence-less based accusations of racism. That's what, you know, CNN, MSNBC, Washington Post, New York Times, everyone, everyone, you know, CBS, NBC, they're going to keep doing that. I don't think it's going to sell as well as the Trump stuff. So I don't know if that means they have to, if they're just going to just ramp it up and up and up as much as they can, trying to seek the amount of money they made under Trump. Or maybe they'll look elsewhere. I mean, who knows what the next shiny object that they will follow is. All right, well, hey, thanks for listening. I'm listening to a podcast by Megan Murphy from December 2020. And she's talking about the incident where Harry Styles, who's like a famous musician, wore a gown, a dress, on the cover of Vogue. And then, for instance, like Olivia Wilde, who's a famous actress and director, She's like, oh, that's so sexy. You know, that was Harry Styles is her friend, I guess. And then Megan Murphy is talking about how she doesn't find men in dresses attractive. You know, she doesn't find them more attractive than they would have been without wearing a dress. Like, you know, she thinks pants and a t-shirt are probably the most comfortable types of clothing. And why would a man who's allowed to wear pants and a t-shirt put on a gown which is apparently you know uncomfortable and according to her you wear a gown about five times or something and it's shot I don't know if it's getting pills on it or what but anyways it made me think of this Beastie Boys concert I went to in about 94 and I'm 47 I'm a 47 year old white man so You can discount everything I say right there. But anyways, I went to this Beastie Boys concert in the state of Washington in about 94. And it's kind of in the middle of nowhere with a giant chain link fence around it to keep people out who didn't pay. And there were people directing you. I don't think it was was traffic directing. It wasn't directing you while you were in your car. It was directing you while you were walking around. So there's people directing you, and I don't know if these were Beastie Boy roadies or if they just worked for the concert venue or whatever it was, outdoor area concert venue. But I kind of think it was a Beastie Boy roadie. Anyways, there was this guy. He's probably 25 or something, a little bit older than me at the time. And he wore a skirt. And he was telling everyone where to go, and everyone listened to him, and when I saw him wearing that skirt, I was like, that is the coolest dude I have ever seen. And he wasn't doing it because of any, I mean, there's no woke BS going on back then. He was just getting so much, basically, I, who, you know, who knows what the reality is, but basically I looked at him and I'm like, that guy is so awesome. That guy's getting so much attention from girls, beautiful women just falling all over him. 
as you know, as he roadies around with the Beastie Boys. But he's like, I'm going to make myself stand out even, even more and wear a skirt. Now, I have no idea. Maybe that guy transitioned afterwards or, you know, maybe he's a investment banker on Wall Street making $10 million a year. But just thought I'd share that. So Ben Shapiro was talking about a poll in Skeptic Magazine where they asked people how many unarmed black men they thought the police killed each year. Uh, this is for 2019. And people who self-identified as very conservative picked lower numbers like 10 or 100. And people who were very liberal, a majority of them picked over 1,000. Now, the actual answer for that year is, at the most, 27, quite possibly less. And it made me think of a Glenn Lowry and Robert Cherry podcast that came out maybe a few weeks before the Ben Shapiro one, a few weeks ago. And Robert Cherry put together the numbers on the increase in homicide since George Floyd passed away. And in the top 75 cities, homicide was up 35%. So I think that I think the normal year for black men dying of homicide is about 7,000. So, and I think mostly that's in the big cities. So you can roughly say that increased by about 2,000. So 27 black men were killed, you know, in a normal year by police. Now, liberals who believe the conspiracy theory, I mean, it is a straight-up conspiracy theory, that cops are doing that, have somehow gotten black men riled up in, in, a, in a strange manner where they are, have now killed each other to the tune of 2,000 extra, 2,000 extra deaths. So, while the liberals think that the cops are killing thousands, in fact, the liberals, you know, in control of the media, in control of academia, in control of the narrative, they have actually done it. They have killed thousands of black men. And, you know, in a few years, people are going to realize that it's conspiracy theory, and they are not going to feel sorry one bit. They're just going to be like, oh, well, my heart was in the right place. I mean, that's too bad. I mean, I don't, you know, I don't live in the neighborhood with black people. I don't know any black people. My heart was in the right place. I wanted to help black people. That's a shame that what I did killed thousands of them. But oh well. I'm watching Robert Wright and Glenn Lowry talk about social media and antitrust law. But also they're talking about how it is creating unrest. And made me think like how many civil wars you know how many countries have had you know civil wars with thousands dead and just the country goes to absolute crap because of social media and i think um syria right you know young college students started protesting and you know they organized their stuff on social media and Surprise, surprise, uh, Islamic extremists took over the war against the government and that whole place went to crap and, I don't know, a million people had to 
flee, or maybe more than one million. People had to flee, and they moved to Germany and whatnot. And I think Libya also had a similar situation like that. Um, I don't know. That country was not doing very good. It just it imploded in about two seconds. But I think uh, social media was part of the beginning of that sucker, too. I guess Gaddafi, he should have got that nuke, because... Uh, that's what protects that's what protects these uh, dictators and then shoot there's one other country that had that oh Lebanon right now is toying with the <laughs> idea of a civil war and it's all being organized by young people on social media I mean you know people are like I want my country to be better but they don't know they have two options the country remains the same or it gets way, way worse. And, uh, you know, if you, don't, if you ain't got no job, 24-7, nothing to do, sometimes you're just like, you know, let's roll the dice. Let's see, uh, let's see what happens. Anyways, antitrust is not going to stop this. American antitrust laws is not going to be able to stop this. So Robert Wright was saying we need to come up with something that makes these social media companies not incite groups of people against other groups of people. Oh, Myanmar. Myanmar is having a coup slash civil war right now as we speak. I swear, there's probably three more countries that you could find that are, you know, on a, you know, not, in, not gone to total crap, but boy, having problems. So, and, you know, not to mention America, like, roughly 500 BLM riots, 100 Antifa riots, and the January 6th attack on the Capitol... All of that stuff is social media. I mean, that could be just laid right at the door of Facebook. And it's not because they promote disinformation or whatever. This is just a fundamental aspect of social media. It's where people get together with groups of people, like-minded people who think the exact same way that they do, and then they start saying, the other side is evil, the other side is evil, and our side is good, and oh my gosh, the other side is going to hurt the children. That means we. That means violence is justified. Let's go do it. All right. Thanks for listening. So Ben Shapiro was talking about a poll conducted by Echelon Insights, who has a Christian Soltist Anderson as one of their workers. She's kind of famous. Anyway, so they asked uh, Republicans and Democrats a variety of questions, but I think the Republicans, like, you know, they're like, they're worried about immigration, illegal immigration, and some other stuff. It's all pretty normal stuff. Uh, persecution of Christians, which is not a real thing. But most of it was real stuff. Um, now, the Democrats, on the other hand, their number one thing they're worried about, 90% of them, Trump supporters. So that's just pure hatred. They hate Trump supporters. The media, for four years, has been telling Democrats that Trump supporters are full of hatred. They've been saying that without evidence. I think it's not true. But anyways, that's what they've been saying. And so, you know, there's about 75 million Republicans and about 75 million Democrats. So the media has been saying that group of 75 million people has hatred in their heart. And the end result is that they have made the other group of 75 million people, the Democrats, 
truly have hatred in their heart. So, you know, before four years ago, we had neither group having hatred in their heart. But now, 80-90% of Democrats have hatred in their heart for the other side. I mean, the media is like, it's the media and social media and various economic things has caused all this. All right, and then the next couple of things the Democrats are concerned about at about eh, about 90% on each of these also are white nationalism and systemic racism. And these things are both just conspiracy theories. I mean, there's a thing called white nationalism, you know, probably one in a hundred thousand people is a white nationalist. So, you know, so that means there's a few of them. There's a few hundred of these jackasses walking around, you know, they have no power. You can't name, you know, name one, name 10 of them, whatever. You can't, you're going to be like, Oh, David Duke from fucking 30 years ago. Shut the hell up. And, uh, so anyways, white nationalism, completely non-issue. So that's like super high up there. Uh, systemic racism. Now that was a real thing. That was a total real thing, you know, but now it's, you know, like every time an Asian is kept out of Harvard so that, heck, a white person, <laughs> sometimes a white person, they, uh, what are those, uh, you know, a white person whose parents went there, or a black person, or a Hispanic person, you know, every time an Asian is kept out of Harvard for that reason, that is pure systemic racism. So, I mean, systemic racism is a real thing. Obviously, slavery... Jim Crow, redlining is actually a little more complicated, but Jim Crow and slavery, you know, so these things exist, but they don't exist today. So it's a conspiracy theory, you know, the, the way that Democrats think about systemic racism is a conspiracy theory, that this is just like going on in every facet of America. Uh, it just ain't true. The evidence does not support that analysis. Uh, fourth one they got is gun violence, which, you know... People shooting people ain't good, so that's a, you know, if, if you want to put that high on your priority list, that is that is okay. Health coverage is after that. I mean, I think that used to be the number one thing. That was the number one thing for a long time. Uh, whatever, I guess January 6th, now people are like, yeah, screw healthcare. I want to really, I really want to stick it to those damn Trump supporters. Whatever, I could keep going. It's basically the same stuff. It's like... Couple of real issues, couple of conspiracy theory issues, uh, on and on. Thanks for listening. Okay, Twitter handle at Religion of Woke. And that is the end of this greatest hits conglomeration of five short episodes. Thanks for listening. <laughs>